0: Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning. As I said, my name is Kathleen. I'm on the teaching team here, and we are launching into a brand new series, The Grass is Always Greener. So when you hear that phrase, the grass is always greener, how do you fill in the second half? on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side. And today we're going to be talking about how we get so tempted to look over the fence on the other side at that greener grass to see that thing that we, there's this thing in us that makes us even want to look. And the word always in that is such a big deal because when we say the grass is greener, that's one thing. When it's always greener, when it's continual, when you never find contentment, that's an even bigger problem because it's a constant in your life. And you might be thinking, so what? I mean, I have great stuff, so what is it if I want other things too? We're spending three weeks on this for a reason, because it is a big problem. And in this series, we're not just going to talk about why this is so dangerous, but we're going to talk about why it's so bad for us, because it keeps us from living out the lives God has planned for us. But I want to give you a few definitions so that we're all on the same page for today. So the first thing is, when we say the green grass on the other side. What's that green grass? So here's the working definition for all of us. The green grass refers to that thing that I think I don't currently have, but I think it will give me what I actually want most. I'm going to read it again. So it's the green grass refers to that thing that I think I don't currently have, but I think will give me what I actually want the most. And over and over in that definition, you hear I and think. These are all things that we kind of create a concept in our minds. And then there's two other definitions, needs and wants. The needs are pretty simple. It's, Food, water, shelter, clothing, safety, and sleep. Sleep is my favorite. I need a lot of it. Uh, And if we trust God, God fills all those needs. Those needs are filled and they're pretty simple. But what do we do? We want. So what are the wants? The wants are things that we think make life worth living They're on top of the needs. They're extras on the needs. So it's the really rich food instead of just having a good meal. The nicest house, our bougie wonder water, our designer clothing, anything that's adding to those needs that we want to have. And we somehow take our wants and in our mind flip it and we say, I need that. I need that. And suddenly the vocabulary switches and our wants become needs. And that causes a problem for all of us. So here's the problem that I want you to solve in your heads, no calculators allowed. So it's what is five squared times X to the third power if X equals 90 divided by 13? If someone knows the answer, that's ridiculous because I made it up, Um, but the answer to that for you and I is go buy a Corvette. Doesn't that make it so much better? Didn't that solve your problem? No? Okay, so go get that really cute French bulldog that you want. Did that solve your problem? Might have given you more problems. Okay. So let's try something else. Let's look. Oh, oh, Mr. Smith across the street. He just got new siding. I think new siding on my house is going to solve all my problems. Did it solve your problems? No. So now you're sitting at home and you feel kind of down about yourself and it's like nine 30 at night. So, you know, it's going to solve your problems. Door dashing an entire fudgy, the whale cake to your house. I do that. Um, but that's not going to solve your problems either. Life is full of complicated problems, right? And we try to solve our problems with the totally wrong answer. And we all have these problems. And the problem is, we don't like our grass. We see someone else's green grass and think, if only I had their stage of life, their car, their house, their handbag, that my life would be perfect too. That green grass is that object, that car, that person, that job that you have on your brain and see someone else have and they seem happy, so you want it too. And we think it's what we want the most. And that word think, that I think, like I said before, is so important because it's something that happens inside our brain. It's a mind game we play. We don't know for sure why those other people are so happy. We just see that they are. So we think, you know what? It must be those other things, those other people, those other experiences that are making them happy. So I think I want that because that will solve all my problems too. And it's kind of as though you and I are wearing not rose-colored glasses, but glasses that have two things on the lenses, what and if. What if I had that job? What if I had that person? What if I had that baby? What if I had that home? And social media only made that better, right? Of course not. Social media made it so much worse, Because my parents who were in their eighties, if they wanted to see the greener grass, yeah, they could look and see actual grass, but they wouldn't have known that their brothers and sisters went on vacation unless they were handed a stack. I don't know if anybody knows this is what used to happen. Used to go to the Pathmark and get your photos developed and in the little envelopes, it was like the best day ever. And then you would be subjected to looking through photos of people's vacations. And you'd be like, okay, that's really nice. That is not what happens now. On a daily basis, we subject ourselves to being bombarded over and over by perfect people living in perfect houses with perfectly behaved children with their perfect car going on perfect vacations. And they're always smiling at every single one of those pictures. I'm guilty of it too. I do it. One day I'm just going to post a bunch of pictures of when I'm angry and see if it makes a difference. But we see that and we think they're happy and they're only happy because of all the things and the experiences and the people that they have in their life. And so how do you fill in the blank of when I get blank, then I'll be happy. When I get the car then I'll be happy. When I get the job, I'll be happy because I'll have more money and I'll have more freedom. When I get married, then I'll be happy. We all fill it in with something. And there's a huge problem when we always want that green grass because that want is a constant that never says enough is enough. Want keeps saying it's never enough. And so we keep wanting and wanting. And what happens is there's something under that want. We just don't want things. There's something underneath when we pull back that curtain and we see there's a feeling or a sentiment or something in our heart that is causing us to want and want and want. And I know the problem is, we keep burying it and covering it with the curtains and try not to pay attention to that feeling of want. And I have so been there. My husband and I lived in an apartment for 11 years. It was great. It was clean. It was cute. We were together like all the time, Uh, (laughs) but we had all our needs met. And because I kept looking over the, over the fence, he was better at it than me, but I would keep looking over the fence or out our people was my little joke and being like, but they have that. And our best friends, they just got this really beautiful house and a beautiful new kitchen. And it took 11 years for me and my husband to get our own home. And you know what? I look across the street and I look next door and they have grass, really green grass. I have rocks. Like, and so I want that green grass and I have what I've prayed for for years or a job. My husband and I both just started new jobs within the past two months. And yeah, there's green grass over here. We love what we're doing, but there's, you have to still make sure the water, the grass gets watered. You have to make sure you still mow the lawn. It is not always pleasant or fun. So we have what we think we wanted, but it's not perfect. Perfect. It doesn't make us happy. So yeah, underneath it all, there's still that feeling of I want something else. And it shows up in so many different ways for you and for I. For some of us, it's just we're greedy. We like things. I'm one of those people. It's something I struggle with. It's materialism. You see it, you want it. It's idolatry. This thing, this experience, this person is what I'm going to focus my life on. It's wanting and wanting and wanting. Something is driving us to that want, that insatiable need. And they become idols and it's dangerous because you know why? Doesn't seem all that wrong because everybody else is doing it. And so there's this natural thing where we say, so what's so bad if I want it too? What's so bad if I want something? There are some very real problems with living in a greener grass mindset. The first one, it never leads to joy. Sadly, when you have that mindset, you never get to that place and go, oh my gosh, I found it. It was this, and I'm good now. I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. That doesn't happen when you live in a cycle of wanting when enough is not enough. You never feel fulfilled or satisfied. You never get the deep contentment or joy in your life that God wants from you. And the other problem is that it makes you and it makes me the victim in our own story. We look at someone else and go, wow, isn't she lucky that she gets that? Isn't he lucky he has that? Why don't I have that? And we take that that mindset of I should have this And I'm missing out so I can be responsible and I can go spend money and I can make reckless decisions because I deserve it. And that is an insult to God. It robs us of the life God has given us. It becomes a thief stealing our joy And maybe the hardest part when you live with the grass is always greener mindset is this low hum of discontentment that ripples just below the surface. It's not about asking God for what you want, it's about acknowledging God and thanking God for meeting our needs. What we do when we embrace the grass is always greener mindset is we go, oh, thank you, God, but... And we add to that thank you, wanting something else. We say it's great that you created heaven and earth and sent Jesus to be our redeemer. Thank you, but there's something else. And we see this over and over in our lives, but it's something that we see over and over in the Bible. If we're honest, it starts with Adam and Eve who look at that tree and say, I want that one thing I can't have. But it's the story of the nation of Israel who were slaves in Egypt and all they wanted was to be free. So through Moses, God delivers the slaves out of Egypt. And they are in the desert, the place that they looked at that, well, it's not green grass, but you know, the beautiful sandy grass that they wanted to get into. They want to be there. And they're like, you know what? Thank you, God. You freed us. But we don't like the food that you've sent us. We don't really like where we're living. We want to go back and be slaves because at least there we got to eat onions. That's what they said. We want to go back and we want to be slaves. This isn't good enough. And then they get to the promised land and it's everything they were told it would be. It was a land filled with milk and honey and they looked over that fence and peeked around at the other countries around them and they saw something that they didn't have. They had earthly rulers. They had kings. And the Israelites said, Thank you, God, for giving us this land and for being our king. But we want what they have. We want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And God said, "Okay, here's your king. And it was a man named Saul. And for those of you who know the story of Saul, it's one of the saddest stories throughout the entire Bible. And so. Saul, this earthly king, is constantly getting battled by those other green grass nations. And this kid, David, stands up and he kills the giant Goliath and the Philistine army is decimated. And what should have happened is King Saul should have been like, this is the best. Thank you, David, so much. Thank you, God. This is awesome. But that's not what happened. Saul has a different reaction, and we read about it in First Samuel 18, verses 6 to 9. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he, David, get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Saul made a choice. He was still king. He was the one in charge. He had everything. People, money, places, everything. But one line in a song threw him off his course. Can you imagine if you were someone written about in a Taylor Swift song and you heard that one line and it completely ruined your life? That's what happened to Saul. And Saul was fixated on David. He hated David from that moment because he chose not to celebrate David in what he did. And underneath that undercurrent was rippling and he kept a close eye on David from that point on. Instead of celebrating the victory, Saul said, thanks God, but there's now this guy, David. And the only thing he doesn't have that I have is the kingdom. And so what happens is Saul allows this hatred to consume his life. The next few chapters are labeled in the Bible as this. Saul tries to kill David. Saul pursues David. Saul takes his own life. The entire rest of Saul's life is chasing, trying to outwit, outsmart, and wipe out David. And he dies trying. He never gets it. And it's all because of that hatred. So now David becomes king. And what doesn't David have? He has everything too. He has, he has a queen. He has people. He has a kingdom. He has it all. But you would think David learned from Saul, who just had that whole wreck of a life, that he doesn't have to live this way. He does the thank you, God, but moment here. And we read about it in probably one of the most famous stories of the Bible. You want to know when people say if they're on a desert island that they would take the Bible? This is one of the stories why. So we read it in 2 Samuel 11 verses 1 to 3. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. How could David have responded here? Could have been like, that's awesome. Go Uriah. This is great. Congratulations. Peace be with you. Instead, he has an ew David moment. He looks out and sees this woman. Now I have to say this, Bathsheba did not do anything wrong here. She is doing her ritual cleansing bath where she's supposed to be. She's staying in her own grass. It's David who looks out over his kingdom and looks at someone else's greener grass, at Uriah's greener grass. And he thinks, I want what that man has. I want it for myself. And that's the problem. Bathsheba could not refuse him. She would have been killed. And he knows this and has her brought to him. He says, thank you, God, for my other wives. He has other ones, but I want that one. And so it leads to an entire cascade of problems in his life. It cost him the life of one of his sons, it tainted his legacy, it tormented his family, all because he looked over the fence and felt discontentment and wanted what was not his, creating this shadow of enough is never enough. If it can happen to Saul, who knew the story of the Israelites wanting to go back into slavery, it can happen to you. If it can happen to David, whose first part of his life was being searched out by someone else who only wanted David, and if if it can happen to David who didn't learn that lesson, it can happen to us. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. And sadly, it probably will or has. The sadder point, though, is when we get that thing and realize it doesn't satisfy us at all. It does nothing. How disheartening is that? You wanted so badly to get married or get the house. But there's something still, this low hum of discontentment. This moment when you should be saying, Thank you, God, for giving me all the things I prayed for. And instead you say, Thank you, God, but I want something else. You can chase your whole life and never get it. And then you can realize that that wouldn't have met your needs anyway. Or there's another way that you can learn about how to deal with that greener grass. And it's learning from your heavenly father and trusting him and allowing him to lead you to your promised land, to your greener grass because he truly has something better in store for you and for me than we could ever imagine, than we could ever want, than we could even ever peek over a fence and see on the other side and want. We have to let our Father in heaven lead us there. And we read the most perfect song, another song that tells us how God does that, and it's, a, it's Psalm 23, and the first four verses read, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, in green grass. He, le- he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk in the valley... I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me." Do you know who wrote that? King David, the same person who wanted someone's greener grass, wrote for God to lead him to green grass. What can we do? How do we do that practically? We celebrate other people instead of wishing it happened to us. We can genuinely be happy for other people instead of wishing it was ours or being afraid someone would take away what we have. Instead of saying, thank you, God, but you and I can be challenged to say, thank you, God, period, the end, don't add to it, don't ask for more because he already knows what you need. And if you trust him, if you trust him as your shepherd, he will lead you to the green grass where it's peaceful and restful, and you shall not want. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you give us. Thank you for who you are, for your character, for being loving and gracious and merciful, Lord. We don't say thank you enough. Teach us each day to do that, to be grateful for the people, for the things, for our homes, for all those things, Lord, that you give us. Help us to walk out with contentment and joy that only comes from you. We thank you, God, for the ways you care for us, for the fact that you want us to lie and rest in green grass. May we take hold of that today, trusting that you, Lord, are our shepherd. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.